When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Episode of Shout It Out Loudcast. Guess what? We are up to episode 20. We're calling this one Rock and Roll Over. And that's a, you know, a surprising title since we are actually reviewing Rock and Roll Over. Tommy, how are you? Zeus, what's up? It's Thursday. We're recording on a Thursday, but no hockey, no special guest, just us. Yes, and no hockey right now. Why? Because the Bruins are in the finals, baby. Yes. Awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah you so suck it, all you non-Boston fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot to say to you, hey, how are you? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head now. Jambalaya. Oh, God. oh please. Let's see if anybody ever picks that one up. Can yeah, you imagine? If anybody picks up that deep cut, good luck to them. <laughs> deep cut foolishness. Yeah, exactly. um, so what's going on over there in New Hampshire land? Uh, well, nothing much. I got I got one little funny, interesting tidbit here regarding and a funny little kiss story. Yeah, funny little kiss story. So so my son, who is in high school, he came to the show with us, the Boston Garden show. His yeah. first first kiss concert, loved it. Um, and so he's got kiss on the brain. He knows about the podcast, obviously. Yep. So he is in high school. He goes to a Catholic high school. So the other day after school, he sends me this text and he says, uh, Hey dad, in Bible class or, you know, theology or whatever, <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> he goes, he goes today. We learned about Peter and Paul. So, <laughs> so I responded, I go, you mean from Kiss? And he goes, exactly. I was hoping you were going to say that. That's why I sent you the text. And he goes, and then and then I get another text from him. He's got biology class. He goes, Dad, yesterday we learned about Peter and Paul in Bible class. Today, we were learning about genes. He's like, 
I think it's a coincidence. He's like, all my teachers are talking about Kiss without even knowing it. Peter, Paul, and Gene in two days. He's got it on the brains. Where's the, the book of Ace? Hey, we, we got to walk around and have some uh, fish and wine. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, Meanwhile. Yeah, so, the, so, so the 14 year olds got Kiss on the braid at school. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it, it's working. Exactly. The, the, the brainwashing of your son is working. It, exactly. Right. It's, I, I'm, I'm like the Abner Devereaux of uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom right now with my own son. <laughs> Devereaux! <laughs> exactly. Um, meanwhile, while you say that, the other day I got uh, a little gene in my pants. <laughs> got a little demon in my pants. Oh, God. I'm driving around and... Um, I got so pumped because I, I, you know, I think it's always you. You get me into these moods with, you know what? I want to blast sure know something. So I go through my stuff. I pick up my daughter later on. We're in the car and we're driving along. Don't even realize it. And she says to me, can you go back and play that song again? And I said, what song? That one before. I'm like, ah, oh, you like a kiss song. She's like all smiling. And I it was sure know something. Oh, see, it's working. You hear it again. It's like, working. Oh, yeah. There you yep. go. Oh, I love it. It's working. She I likes sure know something. And then she opened up Pandora's box. And then I'm like, oh, you got to see the video. And here's the video. And look at this part. Wait, wait, wait. Wait to this part. And then watch when they do. Ah. And then watch this part where Gene's coming around. Oh, and this is my. And then, you know, what's coming from Dynasty. And, blah, 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 blah. and she's like, dude, I just said I like the song. Settle down. <laughs> yeah. Settle down. I, I don't like the band. <laughs> yeah. I'm still embarrassed to say you do talk about Kiss. But oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. It's a very it's proud w- parent moment there. Yeah, it's working. Very proud of you. Yeah, it's very nice. It's like Kiss. Um, what's going on in Kiss World? Uh, oh man, <laughs> I had no where you're going. It seems like every other every time. <laughs> well, our our good friend Vincent Cusano is in the news, aka <laughs> Shirley from Laverne and Shirley, uh, <laughs> aka. Uh, the Pretenders lead singer Chrissy High, Chrissy AKA High. Janet from Three's oh, Company. Uh, who else is he? Uh, AKA, uh, what was the other one? Who, wait, who did you say he looked like from who? <laughs> Janet from Three's Company, <laughs> yeah, uh, Joan Jett, Joan Jett, and uh, what was the Pat, other one? Was it- Pat Benatar, <laughs> Pat Nebatar. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, what did he do now? Oh, so. We talked about a couple of weeks ago when he did that interview with Mitch LaFon and there was supposed to be that right. that speedball jam shredder event in Nashville. And um, <clears throat> we talked about how during the uh, during the interview with Mitch, um, he said, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I've got the typical bashes out there uh, saying uh, Vinny's not going to show. And then Mitch said, quote, that's complete bullshit. Go fuck yourself, you fucking morons. How dare you say such a fucking thing like that? This is happening. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. So we talked about it. It was it was 60 tickets, 300 bucks a piece. And the last I heard, like eight or nine tickets were sold. <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't know. Look, we've said this before. 
it's easy to shit on him, but he's got he's got issues. We know that. And, you know, we, the guy has problems. He, he has problems. And I, he had problems. He had problems in that area. Tom, he had to get out of that area. <laughs> he didn't know he's going to show up to the concert. Gene grabbed him by his fucking head and said, you play you this song, to- I'll break your fucking head. He had, had problems over there. You had troubles with your boss. <laughs> So they booted his ass out of that area. Exactly. So, so yeah. you know what? We've done it. We've talked about it. Uh, we can look back at these episodes and laugh. Remember the time people believed Vinny was going to show up? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, God. I feel What bad. else I is mean, going on over there in Kiss World? Because uh, I've had enough of Vinny. Yeah, I know. Yeah, enough of, enough of Vinny. So uh, I will add this, the one last part. Yeah, go ahead. I just love that song, that, those, that album. All systems go. Oh, it's awesome. That oh, it's time so- of year and love kills. If oh. he didn't do those, I would be fucking Vinny would be like friggin' white tiger to me. Yeah. Those <laughs> are so good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, he's talented. That's what makes it so sad. Yeah. You know? Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So then the, the only other thing in news was uh um our buddy Gene uh, <laughs> was promoting military service as part of the Pentagon's public relation push um, with armed forces and all that. So he visited the Pentagon. He was like in the press room um, and he was just talking about, was he hawking soda? Yeah. Yeah. He said, hi, I'm Gene Simmons. God bless America. Now buy my soda (laughs) along with your kiss Crocs and my $2,000 vault. (laughs) No, he said, no. He was talking about America and how, how what it meant, what it meant to him. You know, he, and, and then he started getting emotional because everybody knows his mom recently passed away. Um, he said, you know, quote, "I'm a proud son of a concentration camp survivor of Nazi Germany. My mother was 14 when she was in the camps. He talked about how he was born in Israel, came to America. Um, you know, I mean, it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of obviously, you know, if you, if you saw it on social media, people were turning into a meme. It was like, you know, uh, I want to be the president, you know, quoting, uh, you know, war machine. Uh, I love it loud, you know, um, but it, it was kind of cool, but, but, you know, not to get political, but people like, Oh, there hasn't been a press briefing in months, but Gene Simmons is there talking. <laughs> Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh God. We're going to take the vault. And we're going to go on the Air Force One and drop him off in people's houses. Yeah. You can be walking down the road and all of a sudden the fucking vault cracks people off the head. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that was it was kind of cool. I mean, if you're a Kiss fan, if you're not a Kiss fan and you don't really know who Kiss is, you're like, what the hell is going on? Why is Gene Simmons at the Pentagon? Oh, who is that? Hairdo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I saw his wife was getting some shit about her looks too on Twitter. Did you see that? Oh yeah, Twitter's and she was like defending. I didn't see what it caused her to be like that, but I'd see, see Sharon be like, "Look, I'm this much old, and you know, give me a break, and you know, like screw you." And people like, who's giving her shit? Like, yeah, I, I, I think like, people are just shitting break. on. You know how it is. Anybody that goes to the White House, like, oh, uh, asshole, uh, whatever. You know, it, it was it was awful. Yeah, it, w- it was pretty bad. But that uh, yeah, the other thing is um, the uh, Paul Stanley's uh, talking about fit- almost finished with uh, his Soul Station oh, album. Jesus Christ. Really, Paul? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I love how he's promoting that, you know, um, and, and, and we're all supposed to be, um, you know, 
excited about that and whatever. I, I, I don't I don't care about it. I mean, you know, I mean, I, know. I hate to say it. I love Motown. I love I mean, I'm a big like I love the Temptations, one of my favorite bands. And um, and I love obviously I love Kiss and I love Paul Stanley. He can't do this shit. I mean, uh, come on. Yeah. I heard uh, like uh, ain't too proud to beg and songs <laughs> like that. There's fucking passion and and screeching and like uh, emotion to the songs. God bless Paul, but I don't think of Paul as an emotional singer. I well, think he puts his balls out there on some of the older stuff, but he's not a fucking Eddie Vedder type of like fucking pouring his heart out in songs. Never not- thought of him like that. And he certainly can't do it now. Yeah. So I, I, what the fuck is he going to do to a rendition of My Girl that I need well, to sing it? I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know much about the I know the style. I don't know. The, is it original recordings? I mean, I, I, I'm I'm not even going to pretend to know. I don't care. I don't care about Soul Station. No, he's I, doing not originally. They're going to be covering tracks like so the, uh, classic yeah. Motown tracks. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's, what's going on with that. What's the fucking point? I don't know. Oh, you know, I I, I know. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, give me a song. Uh, I know that the, uh, the tracks of my tears. Them. Yeah, track of my tears is a great song. Yeah, but you know he needs Paul Stanley circa 2019 to sing it for me to enjoy it. Well, but if he's wearing his, but if he's wearing his zebra stripe puma as well, he sings it. Maybe that'll make it sound better. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, God bless you, Paul. But you know, soul singer in Paul Stanley is not what I have in mind, and not 2019 Paul Stanley. Yeah, God bless you, babe. Say a prayer. Like in the future. Say a prayer. Okay, see you later, Fruitcake. Um, so yeah, that's that. That's really it for news. Well, yeah, because it's quiet because they they haven't really uh, started up again. Uh, right, know. right. So yeah, so that's about it. Good. Now yeah. we had a uh, we had some fun last week with Steve and Michael, obviously from Growing Up Rock podcast, and we do want to give him a shout out because I'll tell you. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there listening, we had our most downloaded episode last week. Yeah. Uh, last Saturday. Yep. So we want to thank him. We want to thank you guys most of all, because you're the ones who actually downloaded us. So thank you. Uh, I thought that episode was a lot of fun. Oh, it was great. Um, We got a lot of, uh, reaction online. Um, our buddy Daryl Albert, who does a lot of the fun little videos and uh, takes some of our quotes out, uh, decided to tweet us right before we went online uh, tonight to record this and uh, decided to give me a little shit and was talking about whether he wants his attorney Googling <laughs> Coney Hatch before trial is a good thing or not. Um well, if your attorney's really that good, he can do two things at once. And, uh, you know, since I had a prep for my more important job, you know, co-hosting this podcast, I had to put that as a priority over listening in to the judge talk about the facts of my case. Because, you know, who cares about that? Who cares about that? Yeah, exactly. No, Your Honor, that would be Vinnie Vincent circa 1983. <laughs> yeah. I- incorrect. Overruled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would be, and on the eighth day, God created rock and roll, Your Honor. And those are my closing arguments. The defense rests. 
The defense is wrong. <laughs> the next time you get up and talk to this is what you have to do. The next time you have to present anything to a judge, try to find some way to sneak in a kiss title. <laughs> Even if you, there's got to be a way you can figure it out. My client came in like a war machine, Your Honor. You know, Your Honor, uh, my client is claiming that things are getting thrown at him. Stuff's flying around like a boomerang left and right. He doesn't know what to do. Speaking of boomerang. Yeah, exactly. Good segue. So we got we got a lot of feedback about our episode last week about best and worst closers. And of course, Zeus and I, uh, we think that boomerang is total garbage. <laughs> Um, our buddy Steven disagreed a little bit. I don't even he didn't think he even had have it. it on his list. Right. He didn't even have it in his talk. That's, it, that's embarrassing. It's <laughs> embarrassing, so, Steven. So one of our Twitter buddies, Nicholas Grayton. Oh, God, I can't, I feel bad butchering people's names, but I, my name's been butchered my whole life, so deal with it. Tom Gugliotti. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, that's for you. That That's for you, Sonny. <laughs> Tom Gugliotti. Yeah. It's gelati. Yeah. <laughs> like jalopy. Gelati. Exactly. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you. <laughs> so so Nicholas said, I walk alone is head and shoulders above boomerang. All right. Because I think because Steven had I walk alone. Good song. I yeah. like it. He goes, in fact, every song in the Kiss catalog <laughs> is better than boomerang. The turd I took this morning is better than boomerang. God bless you, buddy. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I don't think. No. Nope. And I saw that turd. Yeah, it, right. it's better than boomerang. Yeah, it's not good. It's just not good. Yeah. So. so that being the case, before we sit here till midnight. Yeah. Let's go into our topic. And what is our topic this week? Rock and roll over a classic fan favorite kiss album. This is our fourth kiss album review. Yeah. Of the studio albums. It's not a compilation or a live album. This is the fourth studio album that we've reviewed. Yep. And we're hitting a sweet spot here because we're in the classic six in mid-tier. So this is album, studio album number five from Kiss. Yep. Rock and roll over. So we usually like to talk about what does that album mean to us personally? What did we, how do we get into it? All that other fun stuff. Why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so for me as a Kiss fan, and I'm I, I I've heard a lot of other Kiss fans kind of speak like this. I I got into Kiss, I, you know, with Love Gun when I was you know really young, and then I started moving forward. So it was Love Gun, uh, you know, Double Platinum, Dynasty, you know, the solo albums, that kind of stuff. I didn't start going really backwards into their catalog until later. Um, so I didn't really quote unquote grow up with rock and roll over. I knew the songs like, you know, I want you calling Dr. Love making love all, you know, those were all on double platinum. That was my experience, but the deeper cuts on this album that we'll get into, I didn't really get exposed to them until much later on in my kiss career. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, for me, I remember when I got into kiss as a young kid, like you did that age, I remembered this cover. I remembered love guns cover. I remember destroyers cover. I didn't remember Alive and Before, the three albums prior. Yeah. Those were kind of foreign to me because those were heavier, grungier, like harder rock kind of yeah. more raw. These popish kind of, you know. Better, be, better production, you know. Yeah, better, this better, is yeah. what I grew up with. Yeah. I remembered this cover. Um, I remembered some of the songs. But 
you know, we always talk about that. We always go back to Kiss. When I got back into Kiss after listening to um, Animal Eyes Live Uncensored with my crazy uncle, uh, cousin Mike in Michigan, and I got back into Kiss and I bought Asylum and I started going backwards and I bought the CD, my first CD, Double Platinum. I went back to this album because I mean, there's something about this cover. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I remembered all the songs and I got back into it. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about this album, even if you're not, even if you don't like the album, which I'd be shocked to hear many people say that they don't like it. But I mean, you're talking album covers, you're talking, like we just said, that that sweet spot of Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, the three you know, I don't want to give anything away. Probably the three greatest album covers, or at least the most iconic, the most memorable album covers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, thinking back, and you look at this album, it's funny because what ends up happening is everybody has much respect for this. So you'll hear people that'll like because you know how it, it always we 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 latch on to favorites and. It's a kind of a not. I wouldn't call it a cult favorite, but it is sometimes something where people are like rock and roll over is my favorite, right? Because it it's somewhat cool to pick this album out between the other, the one it's surrounded by, Love Gun and Destroyer. Yep. Whereas you know the general populace will say, oh Destroyer, oh Love Gun. Yep. Um That this one is a little different. People like to say, oh, I like rock and roll over because I'm different. You know, if you really listen to it, you know, you, there's an argument to be made for this album. There's an argument made for all the other albums. Hey, shit, there's a fucking argument to be made for fucking Cycle Circus if you want. No, there it's isn't. Kiss. No, no, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what you mean, though. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I think about when this album. You yeah. want to go into the uh, the album itself? Sure. Yeah. You want to talk about like the uh, kind of break it down from the outside in. So kind yeah. of album, album cover. So, artwork, as we were saying, yeah. yeah. This fucking album cover rocks. Now I actually have this LP framed downstairs with some of my other, I have, I have love gun rock and roll over and alive one and two framed downstairs, hanging on my wall. Um, nice. Just because uh, I mean, how can you not love everything about this album cover? You know, Go yeah, ahead. and just taking a look at it, I know you can be like, well, you could spin it anyway, and anybody can be on top. But if you're holding the album, the CD, the right way, Paul and Gene are on top, of course, right? Yep. And, you know, I know they'll be like, well, what are you talking about, Ace and Peter? Just flip it upside down, and you're on top. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. I don't remember the album like that. It's Peter and Ace are upside down, right? Um, that's neither here nor there. It's still a kick-ass album cover. Yeah. And the album was obviously done by the cover, Michael Duray. Yep. Who uh, who eventually went on to do Sonic Boom cover, too. Oof, yeah, not, not even close as good as this. Not not good. Sonic Boom, not good. <laughs> not the, yeah, the cover, that is. This that, guy yeah. is also designed like other Time Magazine covers. He designed the American Eagle postage for the U.S. Post Office. Yep. He also did logos um, for the Knicks and a couple other famous logos. Yeah, he's pretty um, he's pretty highly regarded as an artist. Uh, he's gotten all kinds of awards and multiple recognition, so that was that's interesting. What also I found and they dug up that is he did – a logo for Wicked Lester. Did you yes. know that? 
Yeah. And he didn't even know later on when he did this album for Kiss that Wicked Lester was a form of Kiss. Right. Prior to Kiss being, you know, the the original band that it was at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he didn't even know it. Um, but this album is just iconic, this cover. Yeah, I mean, you if look you, at the you, know, you, look, you, you look at the four characters, you know, and, and it's amazing because the the style of artwork for each of the four faces really gives them. I mean, you thought Destroyer gave them that superhero comic book look. You know, you look at like Gene's face. I mean, you look at even you look at Peter. Peter looks like a almost like a werewolf. You know what I mean? Like like a wild animal. Take a look at this. For instance, Gene. Yeah. Gene looks badass. Yeah. But he looks more like a lizard. Well, the he kind of yeah, he kind of did go, you know, with the, the demon lizard, you know, with the, you know, I, I see. Yeah. But do you see what I mean? It's more of a lizard. Yeah. Um, Ace, obviously, with the spaceman stuff and Saturn's up there. Yep. You got Peter. He looks more like a vampire with the fangs. Yeah, he looks kind of jeans thing. Yeah. And they kind of gave him like that green grass behind him. Like he's coming out like a jungle cat, like a jungle animal. Ooh, he's cats. Yeah, exactly. Roar. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of if he if anything, he probably looks, you know, he looks like a tiger or like a lion, like a wild cat. You know what I mean? Oh, did you say a liger? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Paul, I don't even know what the wings are. It looks like the Aerosmith cover, but he looks stoned. Yeah, Paul. I don't think Paul gets a lot of love here on this cover because, like you said, each of the characters, not only do their faces look amazing, but they have those backgrounds. You know, like you said, like, you know, Gene's got the flames. Ace's background is kick ass with the, you know, the planets. And then Paul has like, I don't know, he he looks like a looks like a I don't know. It's I don't know. Paul's kind of weak on this with the wings. And you know, what he looks like he looks like the bug. On, on that video you might think from the cars. Oh, where <laughs> the thing was oh. around the big yeah. head. Yeah, and yeah. The things. Yeah, because he's Paul's got, head looks like. Yeah, because he's got like a little tiny pointed chin, and he, he looks like yeah. I don't he know, looks it's like weird. he's flying. It's just a head. Yeah, yeah. The Wayans movie, Little Man. Hey, Little Man. <laughs> <laughs> little Paul Stanley. The head. Now you had some other. You had some other. Uh, tidbits about Paul on the cover. Yeah, so there's that obscure one uh, where the printing for some reason has the um, like two teardrops in Paul's eye. I don't know who has those. Yeah, and they claim that they they claim it was like a misprint, but they said like a lot of them were made. So how, how do you, how do, how do, I mean a misprint would be, you know, like an error. Like the, the if, RCA if, record club mistake they said. What? Yeah, how does that happen? That sounds a little fishy to me. Put a teardrop in his eye. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Um, I, I mean, opening up the album, it's got obviously the tracks, right? Yeah. It's got the weird Kiss logos. This was famous because it also started when Kiss was promoting itself. Oh, big so time! Yeah, they had the cover as a sticker inside here now. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, like is when Kiss. So ahead of its peers. This is when they started to really get into um, having the really amazing inserts with their albums, whether it be stickers, posters, booklets, etc. Yeah. And then they put the paraphernalia, how to sign up for the Kiss merchandise, yep. the Kiss Army. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um, that stuff was in here. Then if you look at the album, obviously it's 10 tracks. 
I have the I'm looking at the CD that I'm holding, and it all obviously I have the remastered version. Yeah. So it has the Robert Conte, um, you know, facts on the album itself on yeah, the under CD. The, yep, under the CD. Yep. Yeah, talking about the remastered version. Um, and then I, I, I obviously I always look to see you know who are they thanking, and on this one, special thanks to Sean Delaney. Yeah, who did a lot for this album. A oh, lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was that was interesting. Yep. Yeah. And so that's who um uh oh, the one other thing is Corky Corky Stasiak, who was Corky. one of the engineers, not to be confused with Corky Buchek. I thought I thought you were gonna say not to be confused with Corky Romano. <laughs> no, Corky Buchek, you no, know Corky Buchek? What was his famous song? Oh, bing yeah. bang, bing 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 and so he did a lot of the engineering on that yep. as well. Yep. Um, obviously, the album was produced by Eddie Kramer. The King Eddie Kramer. Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, if we get into like, you know, credits, you know, if we're looking at, you know, writing credits, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one thing about this album, it was the first album with where Ace had no uh, writing credits. Yeah, you know, so that, that that's kind of interesting. You you got to wonder what happened with oh, that. One, I wanted to add to that, Corky Buchek, actually Corky Stasia. Yeah, um, he said so. It's not listed on the first two hundred and fifty thousand copies, and now that's a collector's item. If whoever has that, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So there's collector's items like that, or there's collector's item with the um, with the tear. I mean, yep. it's, kiss everything's collectible, but everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So. This album was, uh, they started recording on September 30th, 1976, mm-hmm. finished October 16th, 1976. Yep. And uh, you know where they recorded this, right? Yes, I do. Tell us about it. Where it was recorded? Yeah. It was recorded in, in New York. It was recorded with Eddie Kramer at, um, I don't know. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. It was Nanowet the, uh, Star Theater. Yeah, the star. Yeah, that, I was gonna. Yeah, the Star Theater in Nanowet, New York. Yeah. Now, for those, if you're listening to us and you're obviously a music fan, you're obviously a Kiss fan. You know who Eddie Kramer is. But just a refresher: Eddie Kramer is the man involved with Zeppelin, Hendrix, etc., which is why this album sounds the way it does. Very different style. Yep. From the previous album which was done by Bob Ezrin, that being yep. Destroyer. So he he's very well known for doing his recordings, you know, weird places and things like that. So he had this recording studio for this album in uh, the Star Theater. Uh, Frank Sinatra had recorded there and a few other famous people. And um, this is one of those places that had like a theater in the round, kind of like in the middle and this one moved. Yep. So I don't know if he was recording the sound when they were moving. And this is very well known and famous for having put Peter in the bathroom. 
yeah. to get his sound on the yep. drums. And Peter had to use a um, video, video uh, to keep up with the uh, with the band. So this is '76. You know, this. I mean, me and you barely can look at each other now through Skype. Right. This is '76. They were doing this shit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and and go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say in ter- so with the drum sound. So one of the reasons why uh, why Eddie Kramer was insistent on setting up Peter the way he did was that um, Paul really wanted like a, a bombastic Zeppelinish Bonhamish type of sound. Um, and he figured that Eddie Kramer would be the guy to do that, obviously, because Eddie Kramer helped produce um, Zeppelin. Um, do we want to get into some of Paul's opinions on Peter while we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, okay. he gets into saying that, you know, I came to realize that sound is because John Bonham is the sound. It's right. not the production. Right. And, 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 now, let me, okay. and, and let me tell you this right now. If Paul didn't know that already then Paul is a pretty uninformed musical, uh, you know, uh, person because anybody, we love Peter. Nobody's confusing Peter Chris with John Bonham. So, but guess what? They're not confusing him with Robert Plant. Oh, absolutely. Ace with Jimmy Page. So you're comparing him to the greatest of that, of that instrument. So give me a break. Well, yeah, I mean, Paul right here. I mean, he, he says, you know, I, I was constantly disappointed with what some of these albums ended up sounding like. I wanted them to sound as good as a Zeppelin album. There was no reason that sonically we shouldn't have sounded ballpark to the heaviest bands out there. Why? Why? Why, why do you think that, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, did, did he think that because Eddie produced Zeppelin, he was going to turn them into Zeppelin? You, there's always a history of people like I want to work with this guy because this guy will get me this sound. I want to work with this guy; he'll get me that sound. Right, right. You know, everybody thinks a certain producer will get him something. Now, that being said, the production on this album, okay, this might not be my favorite Kiss album, okay, but if this, but if if this makes any sense, I'll explain it. This is probably my favorite Kiss sounding album, okay. Of course, it of course it, it makes sense. It, it's it's not it's not overproduced uh like creatures of the night i'm on record as saying that um it's not it's not expertly polished and um you know perfected like destroyer with bob ezrin um eddie kramer got these guys to sound like a bunch of rock and rollers drums guitar bass like a rock band um and that's why this is this sounds i mean ace just sounds ridiculous on this album he sounds amazing even peter sounds amazing they sound they all sound great um, yeah, and I, and, and I and I credit Eddie Kramer with that, you know. Yeah. So what you're looking for is they they thought before all the adulation for Destroyer, which is they get now. Yep. They felt like people, and Paul talks about it that he was like, "Well, people said it was different. Different doesn't usually mean it was good." So he's like, "So we're like, oh, what did we do? Let's just go back to what we were doing before. The best way is to get like Eddie Kramer. Let's get a stripped down raw." version of us yeah but a little yeah. bit more wholesome yeah not as dark as the first three albums so you know in eddie kramer never mind all those other albums he produced their demos he did a live right mm-hmm. yeah he ended yeah. up doing love gun alive too so they were comfortable with them i know ace got along with them 
Peter got along with him. I've heard, I've read things where he, he gives compliments to all of them in the band. And I think what was great about it, and I think that's why you like Alive, Alive 2, Love Gun, Rock and Roll Over, and I yeah. do too as well, is because he gave the other two members respect. And Agreed. he treated them as equals, even if Paul and Gene didn't. Yep. And I think that helped the band come out to be fuller. Totally. Whereas after that, no producer really told Kiss what to do or how to be and what to do. I think Kiss told them, therefore, Paul and Gene took over. And no. the other two shrunk in the responsibilities and effort. Well, if I'm not going to, you're not going to ask me for this. And if I don't do that, oh, fuck it. All right. Just tell me where to show up and what to do. Yeah. And whereas the other ones, Eddie Kramer was treating them as a band. Yeah. Now let that, me work with Peter. Let me get the sound I need out of Ace. Let me work. And those guys respected Eddie Kramer and yeah. he respected them back. Yeah. Unlike Destroyer, where Ezrin just pummeled Peter the entire I mean, he just, that was a miserable experience for Peter, according to him. But he loved it. He loved yeah. the product and he still says it. Yeah. And, you know, in, and if you read it, he actually does compliment him a little. Peter, he says he came up to the task. Yeah, oh, he doesn't definitely. say like Paul, like oh he sucked, oh he couldn't do it. it. You know, Bob says he couldn't sing. They all like talk about you know at least when I've seen interviews, he talks about Peter busted his ass. He worked his ass off to get where he needed. He yeah. doesn't sit there and goes oh he didn't have the talent to keep up with me. Oh I did everything, and he doesn't say that. Neither does Eddie Kramer. He never right. shits on those guys. Never Eddie Kramer in, in that thing that I think bugs Paul and. Maybe, I don't know, Gene, but I think Paul more so. That Kramer is like constantly saying, you know, and Peter throws in the, in the, in out there in the media that he loves Peter's voice and he loves his playing. He thinks he's a good drummer. Yeah. Paul doesn't want to hear that shit. It Never. doesn't go, doesn't nope. go with the narrative. Exactly. And, and, and speaking of narratives, you talk about how, how the, the way Ezrin produced Destroyer and had the band sound. Um, you know, according to Gene, you know, he's like, Paul and I were both aware that Destroyer was the right way to go, and we should have stayed with Ezrin for a few more records. But within the band, there was too much turmoil. This is a great quote. There was always a simpler kiss in the minds of Ace and Peter. What does that mean, Gene? What do you, what? I get it. No, I, I get it. I get, go ahead. I get it, too. But I think Gene's, you know, it's, an, it's another one of Gene thinking that he's something that he's not. But go ahead. Go ahead with, with your interpretation. No, I'm just going to say a simpler kiss. I, I totally get what he's saying. Play the chorus. Play the verse. Have a good guitar solo. Put something rocking in there. That's it. Throw it out. Next. Right. Not, hey, let's do The Elder. Hey, let's do uh, a dance track. Hey, 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 let's do this. Hey, let's not do Great Expectations with a glockenspiel and a fucking <laughs> xylophone and calliope merry-go-round music in the background. Yeah. But you can have a little of both. No, I know, I know, but I, but I just think it's funny how, as usual, even when you're talking about a classic album like Rock and Roll Over, and you're talking about Eddie Kramer, Gene has to find a way. Well, you know, Ace and Peter, they, they, they're fucking idiots. They just want a simple kiss. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it just, it's it just coming out of his mouth. It's like, you know, enough. We get it. But those are the songs we like. Exactly. People love the first three albums. You know, the real dart diehards because it was the simpler kiss. Oh, yeah. And I would take rock and roll over over destroyer 10 times out of 10. Yeah, it's not it's not even close for me. Uh, I, I wouldn't go there. I like that. There's two styles to them. Absolutely. No, as I do far too. as that. Right. I, I, I do, too. I mean, I'm on record as even saying that I like the elder, but I'm saying yeah. um, I, I've always I've always 
thought that Destroyer was a little too polished and overproduced. And I didn't, you yeah. know, it came, it had some great songs. I mean, some epic classics, but I don't, that's not the kind of kiss that I want to hear all the time. Yeah. And they weren't even going to use Eddie Kramer. They wanted to use that guy, Jack Douglas. Yeah. Who did like Aerosmith's last three albums. Yeah. And those and Aerosmith then, albums were some of the most kick-ass Aerosmith albums they ever made. I like Aerosmith. I don't know their fucking albums. I know their hits back then. I don't know that, any. I don't really hear people saying, "Oh, those whole arrow." I can listen to a whole Aerosmith album. Yeah, but if you if you listen to albums like if you listen to an album like Rocks or anything like that, that that that's a great sounding record. But go ahead, what you were gonna what you were gonna say? Ah, it's no, it's no fucking elder. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, they were gonna use Jack Douglas, and um, somehow it got back to who was friends with uh, Bob Ezrin. And yep. it got back to Bob, and it was going to be a big fucking hole to do. So they said, fuck it. Let's just go back to Eddie Kramer. Yeah. And so Eddie did all this stuff. But um, what ended up happening, what I found really interesting, and he's got his name written all over this album. That's my buddy Sean Delaney. Um, that Paul ended up leaning on because he leaned on Ezrin a lot for Destroyer. Paul leaned on Delaney because there was no Bob on this album. Right. And what did we get from that? We got Mr. Speed, Making Love, Take Me, uh, All-American Man, which went on Kiss Alive 2. Yep. And he's uncredited on I Want You. Um, So Delaney helped him out a lot. And if you notice on the album, the only one I think without any outside co-writers was Gene. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, You know. I don't see any ace credits on this album. First Kiss album with no ace credits, right? Yeah. And we'll go through each song who was written by. But yeah, Gene had his three songs, four songs, all written by Gene. Yeah. Um, Paul, with the exception of I Want You, had Delaney helping him on all these and Hard Luck Woman. Uh, yeah, but we'll Making keep- Love, Mr. Speed, um, you know, Take Me. All had uh, Delaney. Yep. And then you also had the old Lips, not Louie Lips, but <laughs> Lips um, uh, song that Peter Chris brought back, Baby Driver. And that's with him and his and Stan Penridge, who basically wrote, co-wrote most of all of Peter's songs. Peter's song. Yep, exactly. Right. Yep. So, you know, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And again, talking about Eddie, you know, the difference between Eddie Kramer and, and you know, Peter is quoted as saying that um, when he worked with Eddie, he said it was great. It was free flowing. Um, he loved my drumming. He called me a thunder drummer, um, you know, and, and and Peter, obviously, we know very sensitive. Thundercat? Yeah. Yeah. Very sensitive guy. You know, Ezrin is, you know, on record as, you know, reportedly walking around the Destroyer production with a whistle around his neck, was, you know, <laughs> yeah. like literally. Yeah. Um, and Ezrin was the, uh, you know, Eddie Kramer was like the complete opposite, letting these guys setting them up and doing their thing and just rocking. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Yeah. So the you know the album and Kiss has started become a little bit more wholesome. The album was released October sixteenth, nineteen. No, no, it was released. Uh, where is it? November eleventh, nineteen seventy six. Yep, it was uh, the first album to be shipped platinum. Yeah, and and at that time, um, according to Bill O'Coin, they had to continually release albums almost every you know six months. And the reason that they had to do that was for all you youngsters out there that might be listening to us, how the record industry works. If you don't know what a record is, they had to release records every six months because after six months, if records didn't sell, they would be shipped back to the distributor. So what Kiss would do is they would release an album every six months. And what that would do is that would force the record shops, the record stores to have to keep that back catalog in because every time an artist released a new album, the record companies would want the back catalog so that, Oh, the new kiss record rock and roll over is out. What else do you have from kiss that I can get? So it was a way to keep their, their catalog in stores all the time without having to get stuff shipped back. Um, We talked about it before. Sometimes a lot of these kiss Paul and Gene ran out of material um, and had to make up stuff. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the episode when we talk about demos and what those turned into. But um, yeah, so that, and that, that was uh, that, that was the nature of the record business back then. Yeah, so they released the album to continued fanfare, and they went on the Spirit of 76 tour. Yeah, oh, which is one of the most iconic posters in the history of Kiss. I love that. That's the poster that got me. My cousin Mike had it in his house, and that Spirit of 76 poster, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Pretty much break down the tracks. Yeah, let's get into it. So the first song is this. In the morning, I raise my head and I'm thinking a day has gone by. And the thing I want out of life is 
is the iconic I Want You, written by Paul Stanley. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's not one of my favorites. Um, again, like I said earlier, this is one of my this is probably my favorite Kiss sounding album. Um, I Want You. I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. I I I can appreciate you know it's kind of an interesting intro. You know the acoustic and then it kicks in. The drums are nuts. Um, <clears throat> I think me and you like this song for a different reason. Oh, we'll get into that before this is over. Well, what do you think? Um, what do you, what's your take on this song? I mean, it had a lot of acoustic. I can't remember a lot of acoustic and Kiss songs. I'm trying to think of all yeah. the acoustics. Not much out there. And Paul, you know, said he took only a few hours to write, and he wrote it when he was in England, thinking of the Beatles and Zepp, and he's in England. He went back to his hotel and wrote it. And it's acoustic to rock. And so I wrote down like songs like you're probably thinking of songs like Bring It On Home and things like that that start off acoustic and then turn into a kick-ass rock song. Yep. He was probably looking to do that. The other thing of note on this song is Paul plays the beginning of the solo. And if you look at the video, you'll see him play the beginning of the solo. And then Ace plays the second part. And he said he wanted to show a contrast of the two different guitarists in the band and how they interpret their solos. Um, and you could hear that if you listen to the song, you can totally, if your ear, if you're paying attention, that guitar solo is broken up into two halves, and you can tell the difference. You can t- you can feel it when Ace kicks in with his solo. Yeah, and the other part I put is Delaney says that he co-wrote the song and didn't get credit for it. Jeez, oh, a lot of guys <laughs> complaining about credit on this album. Yeah, and uh, and then they also have that flanger effect. Oh, the flanger, yeah, the flanger, yeah. the phaser, that flanger. They actually use they actually use that a lot on this album. Uh, there's a couple different songs that 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 um, this one's a little bit more pronounced, especially at the second time around. I think it's the second time around when they yeah. do the chorus. Um, with when the drums are leading into the chorus, you can hear that that flanger there. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. kick-ass. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'm a fan of the song. I, I like it, and it's okay. we've referenced this a few times, so we call it the infamous "I Want You" episode. Oh Jesus! So, here we go. it's been a while i know and we've had some requests to talk about this so i i don't remember i i think it was the kiss poison concert uh yes it was at um at the time tweeter center i think yep and or great woods yeah i can't remember which one i don't know what the name of it was what is it called now the xfinity center Correct. Yep. And we had been drinking. I was drinking. I was drinking. And um, cooking out burgers and dogs all day and Bud Lights. I seriously can't listen to this song without thinking of this story. So, so, so this is basically the story. So we're eating this garbage all day. And I think I had a, brought a little hibachi thing with us, right? Remember it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. That thing had probably meat on it for like five years, not scraped off. Gristle. <laughs> and we cooked out and we made these burgers. And my stomach was just, what the fuck? Oh, it was awful. Awful. And we're at the concert. And these rows, if you know these concert rows, they are like 30 row, 30 seat deep. Yeah. We're towards the back, right where like Paul Stanley would come in. I think he was doing the whole 
love gun thing coming over, wasn't he? I think so. Because we were joking that he probably came over and was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So <laughs> so there we are. We <laughs> listening to and all of a sudden he starts singing, I want you. And, and <laughs> it was so bad. And my stomach was so rotted <laughs> from this awful food. I let, let this thing out. Now, it wasn't wet. It wasn't an accident. It was just putrid. It, this nope. scent that came out the second, I mean the second the air came out, the fucking whole area stunk. <laughs> the most the, now my, foul stench. And this is an outdoor venue. Yeah, the <laughs> most foul stench you could ever imagine. <laughs> I'm talking this was these rows are 30 deep. We, everybody around us was, was like, in the middle of a concert. Everybody stopped and was like, what the fuck is that? People thought it was like a fucking it stink was, bomb. I had people. Seriously, it was like a Go ahead. You, you were breaking up there on the connection. Was, oh, yeah. All right. It oh, was, sorry. It was... I'm telling you, 30 rows deep, I would look, and I'll never forget the guy. I'm 30, maybe 50 people down, look back at us and put his hands up in the air and look at us and was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He was like <laughs> mad. <laughs> he, he was upset as if we let off some, like, biological weapon. <laughs> People were upset. They were hardly breathing. People were like, Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Everyone didn't know what happened. And meanwhile, <laughs> Paul was trying to go in the morning. We're like, what the fuck? Seriously. Everyone's dying. It yeah. was like, holy shit. I don't and think so I, my I buddy, I, our buddy Jimmy grabs like, oh, and I'm like hugging him to try so that nobody would know who it was. So that it would be like, it's not me. It could be him. It could be that guy oh. acting like it wasn't me. It was so putrid. I don't remember anything else about that show. That's the only thing I remember about that show. And <laughs> no one, no, I'm telling you, that whole concert. I bet you there are people that might listen to this, this fucking podcast over there like, holy shit, I remember that. It's that guy. <laughs> It happened, and I'm not talking about like, oh, five, seven people around us fucking smelled the fart that was gross. I'm talking like hundred, like a hundred people or something were like, what the fuck is that? That I'm is so, so disgusting. Put it this way. If we were a little closer, Paul would have been like, oh, people, as he flew over on Love Gun. Hold on. Bring me back. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> and it was all during I Want You. To this day, all of us, anytime that song comes up or anything, oh, if Ooh. anybody lets one rip, everyone's like, oh, it's not as bad as I want you. Oh, brutal. Oh. <laughs> all right. That, that, so that's our infamous... I want you story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something something real pretty proud of you. <laughs> Anyways, oh. to get us back on track, you know what, Tommy? Take me.
was the classic Take Me, written by Paul Stanley and Sean Delaney. And Tom, yeah, put great. your hand in my pocket and grab onto my rocket. <laughs> One of the greatest intro lyrics in the history of the entire Kiss catalog. Great song. I love it. I think another reason why I love it is because we've been Kiss fans for 100 years here. I think it 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 doesn't get played. It's not beaten into the ground. It's not on 100 different compilations. Uh, but even if it was, it's just a great song. It's just a nice rocker. Um, I've always been a huge fan of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was on You Wanted the Best. They they threw the live version of it in there on that. You Wanted the Best. Yes. Uh, which which I'm going to ask this question again, and forgive me for sounding like a broken record. Why, If there was a live version of it out there, why is it not on a live two? Because we we had to hear the Dave Clark special there, whatever <laughs> the fuck this band is. <laughs> the Dave Clark Five? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. We had so, to hear songs like... Uh, Rocking in the USA. Rocking in the USA. I don't get it. That that's my. I'm gonna rail against that forever. You want it. Um. Anyways, Paul said this is a song about cockmanship. (laughs) You think so, Paul? Thanks. Very swagger. Yeah. Yeah, This is is a kiss. I want a fuck song, and you're gonna give it to me. Yeah, it's cock rock. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's great. So you put on this album. You hear I Want You. You hear Take Me. You're like, this song, this fucking album kicks ass. But then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Time to call the doctor. Dr. Love, written by Gene Simmons. Great song. I mean, what what, what is there to say about calling Dr. Love? One of the most underrated ace solos on this song, I think. When you listen to this, you know, everybody think talks about Gene's voice, the lyrics, Ace's guitar solo. And another thing that I love about this song, um, I, I think I've said this before when we do our album reviews. I kind of spent some extra time listening to these albums differently than I have in the past, kind of really paying attention to everything. Peter's shuffle beat, the way he drums on this, um, Mm -hmm. it's just a great song altogether. I mean, there's a reason why it was added to the end of the road set list. There's a reason why it's been played live forever and it's on 100 compilations. It's a fucking great song. You talking about Peter's cowbell? That too. Tons of great cowbell on this album too. We'll get into that. A couple noted facts. Yep, go ahead. So once again, she appears on his solo album, but Peg Bundy, Katie Seagull, sang harmony on this. 
because she was in a band called The Group with No Name, who was signing with Casablanca Records. Yep. So he had her singing some of that. That's an interesting little fact. Gene says, this is, this is about a doctor who has a peculiar way of injecting his patients. Settle down, Dr. Love. Exactly. And, of course, we all know this is famous for Gene watching an old Three Stooges marathon and seeing <laughs> calling Dr. Howard, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine. And who didn't love those Three Stooges skits, right? Oh, yeah. So he came up with the doctor, right? Yeah. And he came up with the doctor because he originally did this. <laughs> Loving demo, we you obviously can hear that on the uh, Kiss box set disc two. Yep. So he said he didn't like bad bad loving enough, so he reframed. Re, re, I can't even read my own fucking notes. He basically did it over, so he added it and changed it. Yep. But in addition to that, Tom. Yeah. He also added this. <laughs> Hold the die. You don't either. 
And that one is a deep dive demo called High and Low. Okay. If you listen to that, okay, the first chorus, you're probably sitting there saying, what am I listening to? At the end of the first chorus, uh, I'm sorry, at at the end of the first verse, as the chorus takes place, you're going to notice that little riff from Take Me, that little uh uh-uh, uh-uh. And then they kick into the second verse and there's Calling Dr. Love. I have been telling Zeus, I absolutely love this demo of high and low. The guitar riff, the chorus when he's singing high and low, I think it's fucking awesome. But just right there, this you got all these demos, all this all this stuff that was put together and they pulled out calling Dr. Love. Yeah, Doc, calling Dr. Love is just a badass song. Yeah. And it's a definite Gene Demon song. Right? Totally. So, you know, yeah, it, it, it just when, adds to that. When you th- when you th- when, yeah, when you think of Gene and you think of his iconic songs, you know, you got to throw you know God of Thunder and that. But calling Doctor Love, I mean, everybody likes this song, you know. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, the studio version does not have it. I believe it's on double platinum, where it has that kind of extended intro, kind of like that haunting kind of sound effect, and then the guitar kicks in. I think it's double platinum if you listen to the version that's on that because they remixed a lot of songs on double platinum. So yeah, I think, it's I, different. I think yeah. this album, this is better than the double platinum version. That's just my opinion. No, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Because yeah. I am the doctor of love. Yeah. As he does in concert now. Yep. So after this, Tommy, want to meet me in the ladies' room?
Love this song. One of my favorite songs on the album. Um, when I hear this song, I think of a couple different things. First of all, one of the most kick-ass cowbells you're ever going to hear in a song. Um, I got that in there. Oh, the, and this the, is written the, by Gene Simmons again, alone. Yep. The thing that sticks out for me in this song, um, a couple things. Gene's bass on this song is absolutely unbelievable. If you pay attention to him, the bass line on this song, it's amazing. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the Alive 2 version because it's a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer the studio version for the exact opposite reason. I prefer that this one is a little slowed down. It's kind of got like that slow groove to it. Um, and if you've seen the movie Detroit Rock City, every time I hear this song, I think about the scene in the movie where the kid is being chased down the school hallways and this song is playing in the background. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Supposedly Gene plays rhythm guitar on this. Yep. And, you know, he says it's about a girl you meet in a restaurant and you have nowhere else to go. Yeah, Gene, because it's just, hey, what's up? Um, are you going to are you going to finish that or are you waiting for another table? Yeah. Would you like to go in the bathroom and fuck me? Oh, OK. <laughs> you mean when you will we'll, I'll meet you in the ladies room. We'll discuss our merger. The urge to merge. <laughs> Settle down, Gene. But there's another one. Where did this come from? It comes from this. Take my 
And that is don't want your romance, a deep cut, long lost demo that became ladies room. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and just to add, um, I, I agree with you about the bass. Bass is all over this song. It's awesome. It's right? awesome. His his bass line, we've said it before. I talked about it on Dress to Kill. He's kicking ass on this song with his bass. Yep. Um, I, I love it. Uh, but just here, here in those here in those demos, the ones from Calling Dr. Love, the one here from Ladies of Mitch, I, I Historically, I'm not a fan of demos. I think most of them are garbage, and I think they're demos for a reason. These demos, I actually, this one is a little bit eh. Especially the chorus. Come on, baby, let's take a chance. <laughs> I don't think I need to hear that, but um, but I, I am I'm a you know we're all music fans. I like seeing how a song is kind of born, um, and it's kind of cool to hear that one. Yep. Yeah. So we're off to the closing track of the album, of side one. It goes like this. Driver, written by Peter Chris and Stan Penridge, who uh, had done an earlier version. You can kind of find that online too, as well. I'm yep. not even going to bother digging it up. It's so different when they were in the band Lips. Yep. Um, the the song is supposedly about uh, their friend who was in their band, Michael Benvenga, who, as Tommy noted in the one of the uh, solo albums, one of the only members, non-members, to be. Uh, the album's dedicated or thanked to, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, and so they wrote it about him because he was kind of a little rich boy and driving the way he was with his car or whatever. And um, the two of them wrote it about him, giving him teasing him about it, and they wrote the song "Baby Driver." Yeah, and then um, and then and, and then in the 
<laughs> and then, of course, this is when Peter starts going off on a rant and starts bitching about stuff like he always did. So in the Behind the Mask book, Peter goes, the band didn't play it the way it was written. That's what pissed me off about it. They had to do it their way, and we got into major fights every night over it. I've got a cut of it the real way, and it just wasn't done that way on the album. It's just, you know, typical Peter bitching, you know. But I will take it another way. Um, Paul says, you know, P- Peter can't write songs. His, his lyrics don't – there is no core, you know, chorus verse chorus. It just goes on, this and that. Yeah? Yeah. I'm like, what's wrong with that? Um, on one of their last albums, Journey of a Thousand Years, which you oh, must love, Tom. Brutal. Didn't Gene just do the same? Were those lyrics rhyming? That yeah. song just built and built and built and went on. There was no chorus verse chorus. It is what it is. Why do you have to give him shit about that? Why is that so peculiar? He doesn't write like you. That song, Baby Driver, he kicks fucking ass. But you it just answered rocks. You just answered your own question. The the song kicks ass, and Paul knows it. So he he can't stand to have anybody be. He knows that he he knows that Gene is a good songwriter, so he's not. He doesn't want Peter to succeed. Look, I've said this before. My two of my favorite Peter songs are two songs that were never even friggin' hits: "Baby Driver" and "Hooligan." I know you don't like "Hooligan," and that's fine. "Baby Driver" should have been a friggin' huge hit. The song is awesome. It rocks. Peter's vocals. Oh, when he's screeching, that is awesome. You can't teach that. No, you can't do that. Paul can't do that. And Peter says, oh, it went number one in Italy. Well, I don't because they have like fucking race car drivers over there. I don't know why it went number one over there, but because of Peter Criscola. <laughs> Peter Criscola, you want to have a baby driver? <laughs> you um, drive the uh, Alfa Romeo, the Italian yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, they also, for some reason, tried this. Oh, 
And that was Gene singing Baby Driver. Why the fuck would they want that? <laughs> that is so bad. Oh. And, I don't, and I don't I don't say that often. And, and it has nothing to do with the fact that the Peter version is so good. That just just that just does not sound good. I mean, we're digging up all kinds of great demos here just to kind of show you how the how this album was born. But that's a bad one. You know, the guitar on this song, the drumming, the singing is awesome. The chorus when they get in the go, baby, drive. Oh, it's awesome. It's a yeah, great it, tune. It's a, it, it, it's a, it really is a great song. Yep. Very underrated. Yep. So let's flip this motherfucker over. <laughs> what do we got? say enough about this track simply because of the fucking video absolutely awesome love them and leave them written by gene simmons the only the only thing you said it when we hear this song all you think of is that clip from extreme close-up where he comes bounding down those stairs (laughs) kicks his boot up in the air and then just rips into the song. And when he hits that chorus, he looks like a fucking animatronic from <laughs> Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Yeah. People, if you don't know what we're talking about, and, and and you have to know what we're talking about if you're listening to this podcast, watch that video. It is, it's like hypnotizing watching him play the bass during the chorus of the song. So great. And, you know, this is another Demon Kiss Gene song. Well, that and that's what I have written on my no, on my notes here. This to me is the the epitome of the gene growl with the I mean this the whole song I've got a stiff property yeah 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 it's 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 terrific so you lift your dress Tommy you want to impress <laughs> yeah now here's another one that listen too closely what do you hear listen to this Thank you. 
another deep demo called rock and rolls Royce. Um, Gene came up with that one. Um, he just kind of, you know, obviously when you hear that, you, you know, the chorus is obviously different. It's got the rock and rolls Royce, but that's love them, leave them. Um, so again, it also kinda, has a little bit of sweet pain in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, so again, just more fun demos to listen to. So you can kind of see how these songs, where they came from the kind of what they were born out of. So, Kind of more more interesting stuff, I think, for sure. So while you're listening to this album, have you noticed a theme that every one of these fucking songs rocks? Yeah. Just when you think they can't get better. Here we go. Everybody's favorite deep cut, the song, the legend, Mr. Speed, written by Paul Stanley and Sean Delaney. The ultimate cult classic Kiss song. I have never seen a song take on a life of its own as, I mean, there's like an, 
a, a legitimate kiss army behind this song. Um, and, and for, for, for reasons that you don't really need to be explained how this song never became a hit, never played live, never put on any greatest hits compilations. What a great, great song. Now there's even the cover band named after them. Yep. This song, um, I, they did play it on a, a cruise once. Yep. Um, Gene says this is a cousin to Don't You Hesitate. I'm trying to hear it in there. I had a hard time picking that up. I can kind of see it a little bit because they both kind of have that 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 kind of mid mid tempo kind of groove to them. Don't you hesitate? By the way, that, I wish that was a a, oh, a, real, a real another song. great that, song. It's a fucking great song. Um, yeah. But yeah, speaking of demos. From the box set disc two as well, that was the demo for Mr. Speed. Now, I say to Tommy all the time, I believe the demo is better. Bob Kulik was the guitarist on this. Bob Kulik rocks on this demo. I love the lead guitar playing on this. It's so, like, you can hear it in every little after Paul's verse. It's constantly jumping in. Whereas, you know, Ace's work, at least on the track, is refined and held back a little. Bob Kulik's version is awesome. Yeah, I'm a I'm a bigger fan. I like the demo better, Tommy. Yeah, I, I agree. The demo version is 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 excellent, and for that one reason that you said, the way that the guitar just kind of kind of jangles on after each chorus, it, you know, kind of lets Bob Kulik do a little bit of noodling. Whereas the studio version, it's uh, it's very rigid and refined and and um and, and more scripted. Uh, Bob Kulik lets loose a little bit more on the demo version. So I think that adds a little bit more to it. Yeah. And then Paul goes on to say, that's not Peter on drums, but it sounds like G on, on bass. Just another little fucking dig. No need. Totally. To yeah. Oh yeah. He's never going to miss a chance to get a dig in there. That's true. Yep. And it's about song picking up women quickly. A guy picking up women quickly, not about dropping your load and being a two pump chump. Yeah, ex- exactly. Because that's yes. what I thought. I'm like, dude, I, you realize how you sound? Well, I was just going to say that I'm so fast. That's why the ladies call me Mr. Speed. <laughs> well, okay, well, that's not that's not a compliment, dude. You're, yeah, you're not pleasing many women. You're not pleasing many women if you're going to do like that, Brian. Well, looks like you're not doing any business. 
The yeah. two pump chump. Yeah, he was picking up tons of girls in the Niagara Falls area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like flaming youth has a little bit of a different connotation nowadays, Paul. Ex- yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Correct. So let's get back. You know, these guys just shot right off the track. They're fucking flying. Fucking flying. And now we're at this song. That is See You In Your Dreams, written by Gene Simmons. And right as you're flying off the track, you just hit a fucking brick wall on this album. Oh, see, I couldn't disagree with you more. I love this version. I, I love this song. The garbage version on his solo album with friggin' Nell Cotter and all those friggin'. <laughs> this version is awesome. And I'll tell you why I like it. This is Gissel. <laughs> I'll tell you why I like it. Something about the production of this song, when when if you listen to it, when the guitar chord, when the when they when the chord kind of rips out and the the, the chord just kind of hangs out there and floats, and all you hear is Peter's drums. Listen to that; it's like, and the the chord just rings, and then you can hear Peter, and then the chorus kicks in. Gene kicks in. I think it's a fucking great song. I think it gets beaten on. I don't. I don't agree with it. I like it a lot. Oh, whatever. From. Being a perfect album, this song fucking ruins it for oh, a perfect album. Uh, Gene played a rhythm guitar uncredited on this album. I wouldn't want to be credited on that either. Um, let's tone it down and turn it over to Rod Stewart. If never I met you, I'd never have seen you cry. If not for a first hello, we never have to say goodbye. If never I held you, my feelings would never show. It's time I start walking, but there's so much you'll never know. Hard Luck Woman, written by Paul Stanley. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> I, I like it. Everybody knows the story. Paul Paul wrote it for Rod Stewart, and you know, uh, you know, Gene and uh, you know, kind of urged urged him to give it to Peter. Um, you know, another great quote from Peter. <laughs> I love this. It's, if you if you have behind the mask, Peter, hard luck woman pissed me off. <laughs> That's his first sentence. Number one, Paul wrote it and said it was for Rod Stewart. He played it for me on an acoustic guitar, and I just loved it. I, <laughs> this is a great line. I said, hey, fucko, how about me? Fuck. <laughs> hey, fucko, how about me? Fuck Rod Stewart. I'll sing the shit out of it. What, what are you, the jerky boys? <laughs> he sounds like fucking Chris. <laughs> okay, sizzle chest. You pass it on over to me. Hey, give me that song. Fuck, I'll play the shit out of it. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, the butt nut. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Paul is like still going through emotional stuff. He's very fragile. He has therapy sessions. Hey, fuck. Deal with Peter. Hey, fucking fuckhead. Fuck Todd. Give me the fucking song. I'll sing the shit out of it. You fucking asshole. Uh, okay. And Paul is probably like, what the fuck? He's like the back then of those great Poupon commercials, right? <laughs> He's all fed. Oh, oh, oh. And then another, another great line. Let me do it my way. Let me sing it. You'll get your raspy shit when you want. <laughs> Seriously, that is like a Frank Rizzo audition for Kiss. <laughs> what do you need me to sell? What do you need me to sing, babe? You need me to sing like Rod Stewart? I'll sing the fuck out of it. Well, I'm looking for a Rod Stewart. Well, that's what I do. That's what I do. I'll sing the shit out of it, fucko. <laughs> oh, Paul's probably like, like so aghast. Like, oh my god, the humanity. Um, oh, the song peaked at number fifteen. It was the first single. Um, I like the double platinum version better, Tommy. Yeah. Um, because drums come in later. Later. Yep. Right. Um, so, you know, he, like you said, he wanted to do a Maggie May, you wear it well, Rod Stewart type of song. Um, you know, and this is the other great part is later on, another favorite of mine, especially during my college days, Garth Brooks does it on kiss my ass and kiss. I think that was the only song. They were the backup band for him. And Gene likes to say, how many people had Kiss as his backup band? It's all right. Relax. He was going to do King of the Nighttime World. And they're like, no, this will be better for you. Good for them. Yeah. No, I, I, Goth Brooks does a great job. I like this. I, I do like the song. It's a great um, song. Great yeah, the, song. Peter does a great version. Yeah. And the version on um, the version on Double Platinum, you're right. It is better. I agree. I, I just don't understand. What the fuck is Rags? Rags. Well, the sailor, the sailor's daughter thing. Paul Stanley said that he got some influence from the song Brandy. You know that song Brandy, you're a fine girl. Because they the talk. Boy is mine. What's that? The boy is mine. No, and that song Brandy. When they talk about like the what the hell? I, I just if you just told a joke, I just totally missed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. But uh, yeah, setup so, failed. Yeah, you know, you know, Paul, just ripping everybody off like he always does. Now. <laughs> Let's let's me and you let's go let's go uh me and you do a little bit of that uh fucking <laughs>
making love. That's all right. I'm, I, 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 I've never been a big fan. We talked about this last week because I, I think if I recall correctly, I think Stephen had this as his number one best closer. Paul Stanley and Sean Delaney wrote this classic track. The guitar on this and the solo are fucking awesome. Agreed. Here's the thing about this song, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. There are parts of this song that I like, but as a whole, start to finish, I don't like it. I know that doesn't make any sense. I think the song rips the opening, yeah. that that opening riff, and when the drums kick in, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's like a friggin' gong in the background you can hear, too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a it is a good song. It's a good song. I, you know what it is? I don't like the chorus. I think the chorus. I don't like that. Not to mention, it gets a little rapey later in the song. <laughs> what do you mean? When she says, "Stop, baby, go, go, go." Red light, green light. Don't say no. <laughs> okay, Paul. Fucking <laughs> rapey Magoo on this album. Oh, my favorite. Why don't you start from the beginning? I just hate when the girl says, "Wait." Yeah, exactly. And, and I want her by my side. Don't yeah. hesitate. Yeah, and I love it. After all that, we're going to make love. <laughs> make love, make love. Yeah. Oh, not long. Yeah, it's like that Eddie Murphy skit. You know, when, when he's like, just make yeah. love. When, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, yes, I fucked her, but I make love to you. <laughs> all right, Paul. Who wants to hear a man talk like that? <laughs> oh, my darling, I want to make love to you. Ooh. <laughs> Um, yeah, the song kicks ass. Nice way to end. And this was another Sean Delaney, Paul Stanley uh, classic. And that's how we end this album. Yeah. All right. What do you think? Uh, like I said earlier, I mean, I love the album. I, I, I do. It's, it's, I love the sound of the album. I, 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 Ace sounds amazing. Peter sounds amazing. Um, there's just a couple songs that, you know, making love and I want you. I know that they're fan favorites. They're classics considered. They're just two songs. I'm just not a huge fan of. Um, you know, here's how I look at this, Tom. It's a weird. It's a weird album for me to be honest with you. I, I don't know how to explain it. Okay, here's how I look at it. Let's look at this. Not saying we're not talking about our favorites here and doing our list right now. Everyone, with the exception, of course, they fucked Peter over Baby Driver. Yep. We could say something like Love Him and Leave Him, Mr. Speed, a huge cult classics. Yeah. Seeing Your Dreams ends up on Gene's version on his solo. Yep. But think about it. I want you calling Dr. Love, Ladies Room, uh, Hard Luck Woman, Making Love. These all end up like. Either double platinum, alive two, other uh, other uh, compilations, one or the other. I so uh, this album doesn't have, in, in my opinion, doesn't have those duds like you would see on, you know, Great Expectations or other stuff like. Uh, uh, then he, then he, she kissed me. This one is like solid. So if you start going. Like songs that are like, you know, like eight and above. Like if you go top ten, eight, 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 or nine, nine, ten. Like consistently kicks ass all the way through. Yeah, here's the thing, and, and you bring up a good point. <clears throat> There's a lot of songs on here that might not be. I, I think if you were to, if you were to kind of like look at this album like in a graph, okay, let's look at it that mm-hmm. way. 
the whole album is going to be it's going to go up it's going to be kind of flat it's going to be up up it's never going to drop like you just said there's no there's no point where you're like oh man i don't want to hear this song knowing you knowing you i can't see any song on this being worse than what you would probably say um is like then she kissed me or great expectations agreed i agree for you yeah yeah. so Even even song even songs like "Making Love" or "I Want You" that I do like, but I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, I, I don't think I would. If I put rock and roll over on shuffle, I, I would. I, this is an album that you could easily listen to, start to finish, and be happy with everything you're hearing. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what sticks out to me. Yeah. Look at this album. When we were talking about what album is going to come up next, and this album came up, I was hesitant to do it because I'm going to tell you right now, Mount Rushmore. Definitely for me, for Kiss. Yeah. This is. This might be, might be my favorite album. Okay. Okay. My favorite Kiss album. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are, that would agree with you for sure. And, you know, not because, oh, this and this and that. It has, and we're going to go through this. Let's go through We can go through this last list now. Do you want to go through it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Give me your number 10 song on this album, Tom. All right, so for for our listeners, just to refresh them, when we do when we do our album reviews, we then rank the songs from worst to to our number one. So for me, in reverse order, um, what are they? Ten songs on this album? I don't even know. Right, right. So for me, uh, I have "I Want You" as number ten. Think about how silly that sounds. I, 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 I right. That's yep. your tenth on this album. Yep. And that's because someone's ass blew up at concert. <laughs> but you're right. How many albums can have a song like that be the lowest ranked song on the album? And that's just me. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. For me, number 10, it is simple. Not even close. See You in Your Dreams. By yeah. far. It's one of my least favorite Kiss songs of all time. I knew that was coming. Can't stand it. Yep. I think it's terrible. But it is better than the solo version. <clears throat> okay. Number nine for you. Hard luck woman. I like it, but I'm not. Yeah, I appreciate it for what it is. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, yeah, I'm just it. Yeah, I just wish there was a little bit more oomph to it. But okay. I like I, I like it for what it is. Okay, okay all right. Uh, number nine for me. Not not too far off from you, Tommy. I want you. Okay. Yeah. And it could be a little fatigue in there. Probably. Probably. Yep, you're, probably talking, you're talking probably 10. <laughs> number eight for right, you. So number eight, see you in your dreams. I do like it, though. Again, like you said, look at these songs. My ten, my eight, nine, and ten are all, for me, to me, good songs. Um, got- number eight for me, uh, Ladies Room. Oh, oh, that hurts my heart. Oh yeah, man. but you have no idea how high I think of that song. Okay, so okay. go ahead, number uh, seven for you. Seven for me is "Making Love." It is a ripping song, definitely. Okay, that's my number seven. Oh, okay, interesting. Making love, and I, I the solo, yeah, just puts it above "Ladies Room" for me. Okay. My number and there's something six. about ladies' room. Don't you feel when you, especially the live version, feel like Gene is just another one of those Gene 
But like he just looks like he just got his ass kicked in a riot. He's all oh, yeah. fucking blood. Like he just looks like what the fuck happened to that guy? That's why I like the studio version better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, number six. Number six. Love him. Leave him. How the hell can you have it that low? Honestly, you know, can I just jump in here real quick for a second? Making this list. It, it, it's I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because I'm saying how I like the album, but, but then I'm making this list. How can I'm love them leaving? The song is fucking amazing. And I have it ranked sixth, which makes you start to reconsider when we start doing our albums, how high you have this. Later That's what on. I mean. Right. Um, okay. For me, number six, um, I had a hard time with this one. I, 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 I just want to take me. Really? At number six. Yeah. Yep. Oof. Yikes. Okay. All right. Got for five. See th- th- this. Um, my top five. Um, yeah. All right. It, my my number five for me was Baby Driver. Okay. Yep. Peter at number five. Yep. Uh, for me, the song that I had a tough time going five and six, I switched it twice. Okay. I moved Hard Luck Woman there. All right, so you got a hard luck woman at number five. Yeah, because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I still like the song because originally I'm like, well, the the double platinum. I'm like, what am I going to rank double platinum, though? I'm like, all right, you know what? I still like hard luck woman this way, too. So I just moved that up to number five. Right. So number four. Okay. Uh, number four. Number four for me. Number four for me is take me. The The top of this list was easy for me. Very. The top three is easy for me. Yeah. Uh, Number four for me, uh, Calling Dr. Love. Wow, you have that at number four. That's how good this album is. I know. Holy shit. Number three for you? But three for me. The top three was two and three could have been number one. Number one was easy. The two and three could have been flipped. But number three for me was Ladies Room. Love that song. Always loved it. Always loved the studio version better. Um. I have it at number eight, but I could see it being that. I mean, it's a great fucking song. Right. Number three for me was The Love I Have for Peter, Baby Driver. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Yep. Fucking kicks ass, and Peter's yep. vocals are insane. Um, number two for you. Two for me is Calling Dr. Love. See, I can see that too, buddy. Yep. I mean, it's not not different. For me, number two is Love Them, Leave Them. Um, I just think, you know, the video just makes it, Tom. Agreed. And it doesn't get played that much. So I never, I've never, it's never hit fatigue for me. Yep. Um, So that's why I kind of put it, Baby Driver, in this over calling Dr. Love. Yeah. No, you're right. That was a little fatigue for me. Yeah. And then number one, we both have it. Yeah. No surprise. Mr. Speed. Could be, it's probably a Mount Rushmore song. Um, could be not my favorite too. I think, yeah. And I think Mr. Speed, I think it's that perfect combination of a, it's obviously a, a great song, but it doesn't suffer from fatigue. So you get the best of both worlds with it. You have a great song that you never hear. You know what I mean? The riff is awesome. The vocals are awesome. Oh, it's great. The chorus. It's a, it's a, oh. it's a I, I, I say this all the time and forgive me for being a broken record. I don't know how it wasn't a hit. I don't, I don't understand. And I don't get how they don't understand that they should be playing it. Yep. And that's a song. Paul could sing that now. There's no real high, high points in that vocals that he couldn't reach. Absolutely. You know? Um, so your number one is Mr. Speed. 
Two, call in Dr. Love. Three, ladies' room. Four, take me. Five, baby driver. Six, love him and leave him. Seven, making love. Eight, see you in your dreams. Nine, hard luck woman. Ten, I want you. Yep. Me, one through ten, Mr. Speed. Love him and leave him. Baby driver. Uh, calling Dr. Love. Uh, hard luck woman. Take me. Making love. Ladies' room. I want you. See you in your dreams. Now we're going to rank album covers. So. We've done Dress to Kill, Gene Simmons, and Animalize. Tommy, where do you put rock and roll over? Album covers, absolutely number one. Okay. What's number two for you? Well, ah, I got to go Gene Simmons. And then Dress to Kill, three? Yep. Tough. Animalize on top? (laughs) Yeah. That may never get out of the bottom ranking. Yeah, I had it as um, I'm doing the same thing, Tommy. Um, I have rock and roll over as number one for me. Yeah. Um, And then I have Gene Simmons. And then I have Dress to Kill. And then obviously Animalize. Animalize. Yep. Okay. Okay. So that's album covers. Now. What are we doing for albums? We did those three albums. Tommy, so far you've you've put in your order, Dress to Kill, Gene Simmons, Animalize. Where does Rock and Roll Over go? Rock and Roll Over is going to go right behind Dress to Kill, so that will be number two. Wow. Yep. Dress to Kill. Rock and Roll is number two for yeah, you. Yeah, dr- Dress to Kill is on my Mount Rushmore. Rock and Roll Over may eventually get there, but Rock and, uh, Dress to Kill is up there. So Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Animalize. All right. For me, um, this goes right on top easily. Not even a question for me. Okay. So I have Rock and Roll Over, Dress to Kill second, Animalize third, Gene Simmons fourth. Oh, okay. I have Animalize over Gene Simmons. Okay. Yeah, I remember I remember we talked about that. That was kind of like a coin flip for me, so. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So, we're also keeping a running track of songs top 10 best, top 10 worst. We're not doing that now, but me and Tommy have been keeping track of this. Yep. Um and uh I- I'm just going to put a little spoiler out there. I've already done so you're talking about the four albums that we reviewed. Rock and Roll Over, just uh Dress to Kill, Animalize, and Gene Simmons Solo. I will let me count real quickly. Five now songs just went to that top ten list. I think I, I think I did the same thing. Okay. Yep. Maybe, maybe I may have had four. I can't remember. I don't have my list in front of me, but I think it might have been okay. four. Now our top 10 worst songs. We're going to eventually leave the middle out, but we're going to do top 10 best and worst. Yep. Top 10 worst songs. Uh, only one song made it in for me. You may not even have a song that makes it in the top 10. I, I don't think anything off this made it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you don't think friggin' making love will get uh, knocked out by uh, <laughs> murder and high heels or while the city sleeps. Hell no. Nope, I don't think so. Yeah, I love this little fucking Excel spreadsheet we have here, Tommy. It's fun. Oh, it's awesome. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Next, let's talk about questions. Do you have any questions? Yeah, before we get into questions, I want to throw out a little bit of a tidbit factoid, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> so 
um, let me pull this up. So every Thursday, um, we do uh, like a little teaser um, on our social media about like what the upcoming episode is. So by the time you by the time you hear this episode, it's Saturday. You're gonna know it's rock and roll over. So I found I couldn't believe I found this, and after I found it, I I remembered reading about it. So the picture that we posted for Thursday's teaser was a picture of the band uh, in full dress rehearsal for the Rock and Roll Over tour. Um, full gear, smoke, lights, everything. The interesting thing about that picture was that it was taken not far from us. Okay? Ooh. For some reason, in September of um no i'm sorry it was november in november of 1976 for about a week and i don't know why they did this kiss used the national guard armory building in redding massachusetts which is just north of uh, it's, it's a suburb north of boston it's called camp curtis guild it's a national guard armory building and for about a week in 1976, Kiss used that building for dress rehearsals for the Rock and Roll Over Tour. I don't know why, because they weren't even in Boston. They spent about two weeks in New York. Then they traveled to Reading, Massachusetts, and you and stayed there for about a week. Um, Camp Curtis Guild is still there. It's right off the highway. Uh, if you're heading towards Reading, Massachusetts, the building is still there. Um, so I just thought that was pretty interesting. So that picture you see is them performing not far from us nice yeah and i bet you that gives a little star child to people in their pants doesn't it <laughs> it gave one to me oh i'm close to tom and zeus oh <laughs> oh those shoes uh, oh so right. let's go back to questions what do you got what right. do you got there so the first question um it's it's topical um most of our most of the questions we get from our our followers and everybody. And thank you for the questions. Like I say every week, if we don't get to them, we will get to them. I would never ignore a question. Um, so this one came from our friend in Italy, David Zanet. Um, he asks what really happened to ACE on the rock and roll over tour when he was electrocuted. Ooh. So because we're Google, fuck Google, you come to us. We'll answer your questions. That's us. So, what happened here is I did a little research here. This was in Lakeland, Florida. Um, right after they played Detroit Rock City, um, Kiss performed that song on the top of their set before descending down the stage for the next song, down the stairs. As Ace Frilly came down, he grabbed onto a metal railing to steady himself. Shocker, he wasn't I steady. Can't, oh yeah, my what the fuck is this? Many years since I went here. <laughs> so he grabbed onto the metal railing and he caused an electrical circuit. He became the conductor between his guitar and the metal railing. <laughs> he was seized by the current, unable to move, but broke free and then fell several feet to the stage. He said, if I didn't let go, I would have died. My life passed in front of my eyes. Shaken but not seriously hurt, the spaceman took a 10-minute break. He returned to a standing ovation, finished the night set. He said, I knew it for an instant, and then I blacked out. Uh, how would he know if it was electric electrocution or not? Um, he said, I woke up behind the amplifiers. I said, I can't play. The fans started chanting my name, and I finished the show. 
Um, he said, I don't even know how I did it. It was all adrenaline. And everybody knows the end of the story. Uh, he wrote Shock Me, uh, which appeared on Love Gun as a result of that. Um, so that, that's a cool question. Very topical. And David had a two-part question. The second part of this question had nothing to do with that. Um, he asked some questions about Sean Delaney. Um, on our underrated and overrated episode, um, Zeus gets into some really deep cuts, um, some good information about Sean Delaney and his importance to the band. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, anything to say about that, Zeus? Anything about that, about Ace getting electrocuted and shock me? Yeah, where's my Grammy? <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, we know the story. Right. Obviously, he's fucking fried in the brain and maybe that helped move it along unfortunately um but you know it's part of rock and roll in his image bad boy fucking crazy shit happens to ace yeah um god bless him he's still ticking yeah and um you know as far as you know he got a great song out of it yeah all (laughs) right so so another another question i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna answer this i'm gonna ask uh, bring this one up just so we can, you know, like I said, we we like to we like to answer our followers' questions. This is from on Twitter. This is from Victor Cologne. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've answered it many times before. But uh, like I said, I don't want to ignore any anybody. How do you feel about the rumors that Paul Stanley is lip syncing? Zeus, go ahead. What are you trying to do to me? I know. <laughs> do you want me to go on a fucking tirade again? No. <laughs> well, how do I feel about Paul Sealy lip syncing? Yep. He's not lip syncing. Okay. He's singing to a backing track on some of the portions of the songs. And you and fucking Stuart from Beavis and Butthead, you guys got to give it up. Now, now, that being said, let me interrupt you real quick. I don't think Victor's question was implying that he is lip syncing. I think he's asking about... How do we feel about the rumors and the implications that he is lip syncing? But go ahead, because I agree. Yeah, we've we've covered this before. He's not lip syncing. Lip syncing means you're not making any sound into the microphone like we are right now as we're recording. Yeah, like every video or every friggin, um, you know, stupid, uh, you know, 80s friggin concert things like to all those shows that people don't make perform. Exactly. Right. Um, No. You know, how do I feel about it? I don't have the energy to start fucking dropping F-bombs left and right. Perfect. Let's go to the next question then. (laughs) All right. What do you got? All right. So we got another question from our buddy on this is Facebook. This is comes from Grayson Gallegos. I think he may have asked something before, but that's okay. So he says this is a good one. He says, my 11 year old son, Chris, he's a big fan and a listener of the podcast. Oh, shit. Great. We have an 11-year-old listening to us. That's not good. And you just <laughs> set me up before that to start dropping F-bombs. Oh, yeah because, nice. yeah, because the previous 19 episodes, we weren't swearing <laughs> and talking about flops, flapping, whatever the fuck. That That's called snapper flaps. <laughs> Anyways, he wants to know why people consider War Machine underrated. And he wants to know why Lick It Up is the only song that gets any real action in radio play, quote unquote radio play from the Lick It Up album. Well, War Machine's on Creatures. Yep. So I don't know if he was saying that Lick It Up from Lick It Up and he thought War Machine was on that album as no, well. No, 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 no. It was, t- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to confuse. Two different things, two different things. 
why do people consider War Machine an underrated song? Because it was never really released as a single or anything else. That got, uh, I think, groundswell and just people got into it and kept pushing on it. And all of a sudden it started becoming a live staple. And in addition to that, as I told you before, wrestlers started using that as their theme. Like a badass coming out. Taz, for one, did that in ECW. All my wrestling gurus out there. Um started using it as a badass theme to come out to. So Kiss yeah. picked up on it and started yeah. using it more. Um yeah, that's I think, why. Yeah, I but think it, it wasn't a it wasn't a single like a chart that they always played. I think it picked up. So that's why it's underrated. Yeah, Versus I, I, Lick It Up was the title track to the album, to the fucking single, to them taking off the makeup, the publicity, Lick It Up came out as Here's Kiss Now without the makeup, and that was the signature song for them without the makeup. That's which is too, which is too bad because the song fucking blows. But that's oh, okay. the song rocks. But to but to follow up on your War Machine thing, yeah, I think in the Kiss world, I think underrated. It's kind of like with Mr. Speed. If the song, it, like you said, that I wish the Kiss Army could do for Mr. Speed what they did for War Machine, meaning. Like you said, it was never a hit. It was never a staple. It just now they're playing it on the end of the. Um, so I think that's why when you think it's underrated, it's you know it's not I love it loud, which you know we look at underrated as if you pulled a casual Kiss fan off the street, would War Machine ever be mentioned by them? No, no, they'd say Rock and Roll All Night, Detroit Rock City, Beth, those lick it up, lick it up, right? I love it loud. They'd never say War Machine. So I think that's why people consider it underrated, although it's a great song. Um, so yeah, so those are our questions for this week. If, if we didn't get to your questions, believe me, we will, we love the questions and we're not going to ignore anybody, but you know, maybe somewhere down the road, we'll get into a, uh, we'll do a mailbag episode. Maybe we'll do that. soon. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Maybe we'll do that real soon. Yep. Um, so where can people find us, Tommy? Well, we are available anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, um, Podomatic, Podchaser. Um, Spotify. Please, I'm sorry. Yep, Spotify. Please listen, subscribe, like, review, uh, especially on iTunes. Give us one of those five uh, star child reviews that ah, we you're love. Taking my, you're, take, you're taking my lead there. <laughs> that ah. we love. That we love. Um, we've said it before. The, the more reviews we get, it, it increases our visibility. Um, it'll come up as recommendations for other people. Um, and we love that. We want to hear from people. Um, you know, if you like us, tell us. If you don't like us, tell us. Um, yeah, and one of the things I'd like to do, and for those that you're listening out there, if especially if you're not in the U.S. and you're listening to us from outside, let us know. Send us a, a an email. Send us a tweet. Write to us on Facebook. Tell us where you're listening. Instagram. While we're talking, I've got a guy in Australia, Tommy, texting us, sending us a direct message about kiss guys on in australia yep a picture of a guy playing on a martial uh, amp dynasty um we love that stuff love it so and don't forget you can like i said twitter facebook instagram we're, we're always interacting we're always out there send something a direct question to us we will get back to you honestly and then the other part is you could always email us email us at shout it out 
loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast gmail.com. Um, and, uh, you know, give us one of those reviews on any chance that you can and tell us why people should listen to us. And hopefully it's a great five-star review because uh, we appreciate those. And we'll definitely give you a shout-out if you do. Absolutely. So that being said, uh, we always like to end on famous last words. Tommy? When you're in the room, you're home too soon. You can't get me out of your mind. And you get in bed You cover your head. My letter to you is signed. And this is what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Bring it. All right. So I'm deciding what voice I'm going to use to do this. Oh, here we go. I got to get ready and prepare for this. They call me. Dr. Love. (laughs) They call me. Dr. Love. And I'm going to do this in the Gene voice, the last part, because he always says it this way, too. I've got the cure you're thinking of. (laughs) Oh, man. Nice. (laughs) On that note, thank you, everybody, for listening. Till next week, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again. Thank you, everybody. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.